Player 456, the original Squid Game podcast coming at you. My name's Jack Shaw and I'm joined with my friend and co-host Colin McMillan. How are you, mate? Uh, hi, Jack. I am good, mate. Yeah, very good. Um, this little podcast we started has uh, went off with a bit of a bang, hasn't it? It really has. It's popped and there have been thousands of people listening and we're very much overwhelmed by the, the sort of feedback and the amount of people that have been listening so if you are a listener we thank you for coming back and listening to us again and we hope we can give you a little bit of insight a little bit of our thoughts on squid game as a whole because it's just such a phenomenon and to be the first and original podcast out there covering it is something i was a little bit surprised about colin but it's been really fun the last week and i have watched the full season from start to finish again. I'm not excited about it. Yeah, I haven't done that, admittedly. I have watched the episode we're going to talk about today um, again. But it's, it's funny, it's been about a week since we recorded the first bunch of episodes. And you, you do kind of wait for this phenomenon to start to fade away and to drop a little bit, but it, it just hasn't. Um, it's still absolutely everywhere. Um, it's still getting pushed on Netflix. You're still hearing articles about it anywhere about pop culture. They're talking about Squid Game. So more and more people are still discovering this show, starting to love it, and hopefully some of them start to find us. And if you like this podcast and you're enjoying it and you enjoyed the show, which I imagine goes hand in hand, I can't imagine as many people that hated the show and are listening to this, um, but you are going to end up speaking to people about Squid Games because everybody's talking about it. So mention the podcast in your conversations as well. Let them know about what we're doing. Hopefully they can be listening and enjoy this as well. Yeah, so we're covering episode two now, which is called Hell, which is a recurring theme, basically, about the player's situation, basically, and we will get to that. Just in case you've forgotten about what happened at the end of Red Light, Green Light, Hell opens up with a fucking brutal reminder, Colin. The staff are basically processing these coffins with a big pink and red bow, all of the players that have been murdered, basically, in the first game, there's a survivor, and this is really dark, what happens, like, the way the staff are just ignores the death throes of one of the players trying to get out of the coffin and just gets his nail gun out and just shuts him down, basically putting him into an inferno where you're going to die, disappear, and that's the end. That's the end of you, basically. It's really... It's a real kicker. This episode's got much more to it than the grandiose murder and like lackadaisical way that people, the the staffers murder people. But it's a real reminder of how dark the whole situation is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, the big thing for me was seeing those fingers poking through the the, the lid of the coffin. And first of all, you're thinking, right, okay, well, somebody's been like shot with a sniper gun and they've somehow survived. They must be bleeding out in there. That must be an awful situation to be in. But then to just find your coffin lid nailed shut like that and then off you go into the furnace. Um, the other bit that jumped out for me about that was the absolute kind of just blase way that the staff member didn't even think about what he was doing, just pushed the fingers away and nailed it shut. Bearing in mind this is just the first task of the Squid Game, I think this, mate, is an early sign that this isn't the only Squid Game contest there's been. There's been others. 
because I don't think a staff member gets that evil and that blase about burning somebody alive on their first day at the job, if you know what I mean. Can completely understand that, and we are going to cover the staff members and perhaps their living conditions, and they're basically in prison as well. They've got a 10-minute timer to get up and get ready in the morning, and I imagine if they don't meet their 10-minute timer, they're going to face severe punishment, which is probably murder as well. So there's so much stuff going on, but this episode kind of slows it down a little bit. Like I ended up Googling uh, Korean funeral coffin rites, just out of curiosity. We stay in Britain and the United Kingdom, and funerals are very much, you wear a black tie, a black suit, it's very dark, it's very sombre. But looking at Korean funeral coffin rites, it's quite common for them to put bows and pink ideation on the on the coffin, which is something that, as Westerners, we probably don't know much about. So there's a definite link there that it's probably not so shocking for Korean viewers, basically, when they see this big bow. Whereas for us, it's very much black and white, yin and yang that we spoke about in the last couple of episodes. Yeah, I mean, the other surprising thing for me about that, and that was that's news to me, what you've just told me, because I, I did not know about Korean funeral coffin rites or anything to do with that sort of thing. But it did. I did always find it strange that on the show they had the coffins in the first place because they do seem to they gather up the dead, put them in those coffins, and then just burn them. The coffins do seem like a bit of a, a middleman, if you know what I mean. They don't seem all that necessary. Bearing in mind the brutality and the fact that they're just happy to kill people and they've got no real concern or respect for human life to be in the job they're doing and the way they're doing it. So the fact that they put them in a coffin and tie a little pretty bow around it after brutally killing them and then before burning them so their family never even get to know they're gone, it does seem a bit strange that they do that, but I suppose that is maybe a link to that Korean way of doing things and how the coffin should be decorated, but it did surprise me that it was a thing anyway. Yeah, it seems like there's very much a, like a, a ceremony to it, and it is common, so they need to follow the rules in that sense, because obviously rules are very much important throughout this series, and whether or not you follow them or don't follow them, and how that impacts your outcome, which is life or death. This is a little bit off-piste, actually, Colin. The art director was getting interviewed, basically, about the the colours and the bows and he'd mentioned the black and pink and how this was very much in the director's eyes so Hung Dung Yok decided to sort of butt in in this interview and say the main colours are black and pink so I match those tones like black pink so you're kind of thinking to yourself right okay what does that mean this is when it gets a little bit strange because black pink are a Korean girl group basically mate and number 67 who's Kingsley Bok, her Instagram has got lots and lots of pictures of her with uh, Blackpink's Janine, basically, who's one of the main members, all over her Instagram. Her Instagram followers shot up from something like 400,000 on September the 17th to nearly 10 million at the time of this episode going out. But there are lots and lots of pictures of her and Blackpink's member Janine, basically, who gets credited in the very last episode as a cast member. Am I looking too far into this? Well, it's not just me. It just seems to be the internet 
are they thinking too much about it or do you think there's some sort of link here with Blackpink, the girl group and Blackpink, the colours and the tones that are getting used? It very well could be. Um, you just don't know. I think that, see, when you have any sort of TV series or movie which has a lot of mythology and theory to it, with people that are watching it, and people like us, we're just as guilty as this as anybody, you do start looking for a theory in every single part of the show, don't you? You look for maybe things that aren't there, or you put one and one together, and you, you get two, and even though it makes sense to you, and it does fit into the sort of story, and you could see it being real, it maybe wasn't actually intended. So maybe we are thinking too much into it, but with this show, I just don't think you ever truly know, really, do you? Well, that's it. We, we've already spent about eight minutes on the first scene. So we, we need to move on. I think this first episode is basically going to be about the vote because everybody's figured out that elimination means death. So this revelation has obviously sent all the players into a mad panic. Everybody, well, almost everybody wants to leave Nobody wants to play anymore, but the consent form that everybody signed has guaranteed that elimination for refusal to participate basically means you're getting murdered anyway. But the third clause, as pointed out by Sangwoo, states if a majority of players do not want to play anymore, the game will be cancelled. This was something that we covered before, like what does the majority mean? Are they going to say, look, Oh, the 255 people that are dead, they can't vote, so we're going to take their vote as a negative. But they kind of run a democratic vote in a sense here, mate, and this vote is just sweet. It's just brilliant telly, man. It really is. It absolutely is. And um, I think it's probably an important thing that happens, both from the contestants' point of view but also possibly from the the guys that run in the games. I think that it's very deliberate that that clause is in there. Let's be, let's be fair. They don't have to put any clauses in this whatsoever. They're in complete control. So perhaps they fully expect this to happen after the first, the first game, I suppose. And they actually need the contestants to do what happens in this episode and then realise how much they need the squid game. So it's... It's, it's, it's really, really interesting, and it really, really does so much for the characters in the show uh, in terms of giving you more reason in one episode as to why each of them are in the place they're at, why the reality of the real world is as bad as it is, and why the Squid Games is appealing to them. And it's just a fantastic writing, really, really clever way of doing it. And this vote is just a brilliant way of bringing it all together, and it's, it's genius. And there's so much manipulation going on at every part of this vote. I mean, we're going to go through it starting with before they let them vote, they bring out the piggy bank and they, they dim the lights, then the lights all come up on the ceiling. This literal, actual piggy bank comes down and it's playing, I don't know if you remember the music that's playing when the piggy bank comes down. It's like the kind of arcade music that you would get when you're playing like fruit machines or when you're playing gambling games or even just any fun games in your local arcade or at the shows or anything like that. And it's, it's all kind of designed to allure you to this money and the money drops down note by note or bundle by bundle and it's just a big deal is made of the money so right away before you make your vote they're starting to try and sway you already or make you think and the first way they do that is with the money well that is it the bosses of the squid game basically know what they're up to like they drop about 255 billion won which is about 10 million pounds so they basically dump 10 million pounds into this piggy bank 
and we briefly mentioned the, the commentary, basically from the director. It's pretty obvious here that Squid Game is basically a metaphor for how bad or how chronic capitalism and the inequalities that it creates can be and how there are massive class struggles in not just Korea but worldwide, I suppose, and I think Korean cinema does that pretty well. I think you've watched Parasite as a sort of commentary in that film as well about the class struggles and how you're fucked and basically you don't have any choice. You are stuck in a system where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 I mean, the main sort of premise of Parasite is really, really, really rich family have a really, really, really poor family come working for them and then crazy things happen. But that is the kind of, the, the way the, the, the kind of premise of that film is the divide and it does it really really well because the house that the rich people live in is amazing and it show then it also shows you the world that the poorer people are living in and it's absolutely horrendous and there's there's, there's quite a few stages of the film where the poor people travel from their area to the rich area so you actually get to see the village and the towns changing as they walk along them and stuff like that so yeah there's there's a lot of that done i think it's a big thing in korea and it's obviously became quite a big film in their in their TV and film as well. And it, it definitely does. It's a metaphor for capitalism in terms of the dangers of capitalism and what capitalism can create. Because if you look at it from the rich point of view, it leads to these, these rich people getting involved in and getting making these bloody games in the first place. And then for the poor people, they choose to take part in them. So yeah, it's an absolute metaphor for that and the dangers of it and what it does to the world at both levels. Well, I tried to look into it a little bit deeper and I ended up Googling basically debt in South Korea just to see what came up. And the very first article was from The Guardian, which if you're not from Britain, it's a it's a left-leaning paper, basically. The, the first article that came up was basically all about real-life capitalism and how it is impacting the people of Seoul, basically. There's a man called Chu Yong Shu, his name's been changed, I think, anyway, for this story. The 35-year-old basically stays in Seoul, part-time food delivery driver, lives in a tiny room uh, in a cheap hostel with about 30 other people, and these rooms are getting sold as, this is a quote here, only slightly bigger than coffins, which is bananas. But also following that up, household debt in South Korea has rocketed the last couple of years and is now equivalent to 100% of GDP. That's not seen anywhere else in Asia. And to explain that, basically, and I'm going to try and explain this in simpler terms, if you were to save up every single penny you earn for an entire year, Colin, you still wouldn't be able to pay back your debt. That's not buying food, that's not paying for electricity, that's saving every penny you make. You wouldn't be able to pay back your debt and it's, again, just pointing towards that, a commentary on the levels of debt and class division in, in South Korea as a whole, basically. So basically what they're saying is that at an individual level, people have got more debt than what they actually earn in a year, than what their annual salary is, basically. Yeah, basically, yes. Wow. Yeah. You can see why that's becoming a problem, for sure. Yeah, you can. Now, player 212 uh, changes her tune pretty quickly here. She is played by an actress called Kim Joo Young, and she stars as Hoi Ming Yo, basically, who is a mysterious and manipulative woman. You get that from her begging 
had a child recently and stuff like that. I quite like this character. We'll get to her later on, but what do you think of her? Again, a little bit of overacting, and I think, but it fits in the whole theme and the way that the Squid Game and the TV show has been shot. So she fits in pretty nicely. You kind of get the feeling that she's going to have a big impact on this show, and she does. Yeah, she's an interesting character. There is maybe a little bit of overacting and a little bit of kind of chaotic, the way that she speaks and the way she moves and all that sort of stuff with her. What I will say about it is she's much more annoying in the dubbed version than she is in the subtitled version. And I say that as someone who watched the first episode dubbed and then the rest with the subtitles. But watching it back today for this episode, I put the dubbing on so I could take some notes and stuff while I was watching it. And for whatever reason, the voice they've given her and the way that the way the person, the way the voice actor speaks, makes her seem much, much, much more annoying. And that kind of stood out for me because I, well, the first time I watched it all, I thought, God, she's a she's a wee bit annoying. But today I thought she was really, really annoying. <laughs> and it's amazing what the difference a voice can make. It's quite something. That's it. Only two hundred and one people have survived. I've been looking out for numbers on this. It goes to a vote. They're working backwards from the highest number to the lowest number. I 100% knew that this was going to get to 100 each and it was going to be the old man that had the deciding vote. We'll, we'll start at the beginning of the vote before we get to Il Nam's vote. Ji Hoon's the first to vote. He votes not to continue. Lots of others do that. The vote remains sort of neck and neck. I've called this a democratic vote, Colin, but just before we came on here, you sort of indicated or pointed out that it's not particularly democratic because of the way that they kind of let all the other players know the way you're voting? Yeah, I mean, it's democratic in the sense that there is a vote and there will be an eventual winner and whatever gets the most votes will win. So in that case, yes, it is democratic. However, there's a lot of gaga attached to it, which very much would not be accepted in most instances where you'd be voting for something like this or voting for Parliament or anything. The fact that there's a huge video screen that shows everyone else what you're voting and what the current score is, that's not exactly what happens in real life with a private election booth and a sealed ballot and things like that. Because, a couple of reasons, having the big video screen up there, giving you a running total of who's winning and who's not winning, that can influence your vote, so that wouldn't be allowed usually. The fact that every single other person is standing waiting to vote while you vote, and they can see what you vote as well, that's going to impact you as well in terms of Look at exit polls, um, generally speaking, for general elections or presidential elections. Most news news companies now don't even bother reporting on exit polls because they are so unreliable. Think about America in the last couple of years. A lot of people that voted Trump would come out the, the polls. They'd be asked by the local news, who did you vote for? And they wouldn't say Trump because they're embarrassed. They don't want to look bad. That's exactly what happens here. Somebody might want to stay, but there's been over, overwhelming swill in the room to, to go home. You, you don't want to be that person that votes to stay and gets blamed for it or gets grief off everybody. You're a bit of fear as well. So you vote the other way. It's just, it is democratic to a point, but there's so much gaga and there's so much manipulation going on and stuff here. It goes back to what you said earlier about these guys that run these games and know exactly what they're doing. Did you notice the, the crime boss, the guy with the tattoos, player 101, he definitely voted no which is kind of interesting considering his plans later on in the episode, but we will get to that. It gets all the way down to the wire, mate, with Il Nam player one. 
casting the deciding vote. Now, at this point, 100%, I'm thinking, he's going to vote yes, because everybody's got to stay in. But the way that they've done this episode is just fantastic, and he votes the the other way. Basically, there's a shot where you can sort of see his palm floating over yes and no, and they use basically cinematic manipulation here to make you think, right, he's definitely leaning towards yes, cuts to it mid-shot and you see the red light flicker and he's voted no. Just exceptional direction for a start, but a real, just a curveball basically right here because I definitely thought he needs to vote yes so that people stay in the squid game. Well, that's it. Um, I assumed like you, this is episode two. It's Netflix, so I can quite clearly see there's nine episodes, so there's still seven to go. And I actually thought when it got to that stage and the vote went the way it went, I was actually quite annoyed because I thought to myself, right, I spent two hours with these characters and I actually really, really <laughs> like some of them and I find them really, really interesting. And this is going to end up finishing and we're going to get a whole new bunch of characters coming in again to actually play these games. And I was a little bit annoyed because I felt like that's a bit of a waste of time. They've done such good character work and now all these guys are going to leave the show. How silly was I? But yeah, that was my feeling. It totally didn't go the way I expected it to either, mate. You're right. Yeah, so obviously sort of half the room is ecstatic, the other half not so much. Just before they're dumped back into their old life, the group basically learns that there may be another opportunity to come back in the future if they want to change their mind. During the vote, it said that if they choose to leave, this is something that kind of confused me a little bit, if they choose to leave, then the families of the dead people will get 100 million won. Did that presumably happen then? Or do you think the runners of the game will twist the rules so that, oh, they've come back, therefore the vote is null and the families don't get anything? Because it seems pretty clear that they're going to get money if people leave. Everybody left. Should they get money, surely? No? I, I, you'd, you'd like to think so, but I don't know how... These families who don't know where their missing loved ones are, I don't know how they give out 200-odd lots of 100 million and it's kept quiet and these people don't talk about it. So I kind of don't think they get anything. I just think it's all chat. Just on the point you made earlier as well, you mentioned about the one of the guards, the, the guard that was doing the speaking, letting them know that there may be an opportunity to play another game later on. There's a really key part to that sentence where he says, for some of you, and for me, that's a really important thing because that would make people think as well that when they go back to the real world and they all decide for whatever reason they want to go back, when the opportunity comes for them, there's that further allure to it that, okay, they must have seen something in me. I was one of the ones they've invited back rather than everybody being invited back. And also, I suppose there's a, a threatening nature to that for some of you because some of you are going to get murdered by the people that you owe money to before you get the chance, maybe. Just that as well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so again, it's a bit of a surprise that the staff kind of let this democracy run, and they basically get let back into their normal lives, and this is where this episode is so key in the whole Squid Game world. It's a slow burner. It basically means that they don't need to use, this is something that I picked up on pretty quickly, was they don't need to use flashbacks now. They don't need to use flashbacks to tell you people's stories because they're going to tell you their story as is just now 
and how desperate they still are at this moment in time. They don't need to go back into their history. They're still fucked when they get let go, basically, and that's why I think 187 of them eventually return, man. It's just really brilliant storytelling, I think, from the director and the writer. Yeah, it's really, really well done because I think it is important that you do understand these characters and you do have to know about their home life and you do need to get an idea of why they are where they are. And they could have done the whole flashback thing and each week or each episode focus on one of them and show a couple of flashbacks. We've seen Lost do that extremely well. We've seen Arrow do that very well. A number of TV shows have kind of went down that route and did it exceptionally well. But to do it like this way is just to have an episode put these characters all back into their current life as it is right now, have some of them meet up, some of them bump into each other, and it's just all so gloom and miserable and they've all got such bad shit going on. It does all that basically in one episode for you, tells that story perfectly, and then you're right back into the games again. Um, and it means that for the rest of the show, you're almost, it's all action. It's Squid Game. And from now into the end, because they've done all that character building, there's not any need to keep going back to it and showing you what they used to be like because to be fair what they used to be like isn't really all that important it's where they are now that's brought them to this because they've got to a certain point where this is their only option and it's just very 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 good I was always going to say filmmaking there but it's TV making it's just it's just really really good it's no there's no surprise to me that this guy has been trying to get this off the ground and fine tuning it for 10 years um, because it's absolutely perfect and thank goodness for Netflix Jack as well we should say because originally this was a film Netflix kind of convinced them to turn it into a TV series and for me giving it the 9 hour scope rather than 2.5 hour scope it might have got as a film is all the better for it because it's allowed episodes like what we've just watched I've said it before I'll say it again it is pretty sweet i tell you what we'll do we'll wrap it up here because we've literally only got to the vote but we have had some Questions, queries and theories sent in, Colin, from some of our listeners who have found us at Player456Pod on Twitter. Questions, queries, theories. So Jim has asked, are you guys playing on? Hi 456ers, just before we get to your part of the show, we would like to let you know that we also do a show called Wrong Term Memory, where we cover some true crime, some 90s pop culture, a little bit of history, some science, a whole range of things really. Yeah, so if you enjoy listening to us, and not just listening to us talking about Squid Game, then just search in your podcast app of choice for Wrong Term Memory, or visit our website at wrongtermmemory.com. If you don't fancy doing that, you can offer your support for Player 456 by leaving a review or rating. Now, on with the show. After seeing that there will be £28 million up for grabs. That's a difficult one because you need to get yourself into that situation, don't you? I reckon if I'm at a place in my life where these guys are at, I would probably vote to leave for the same reason that most of the other guys did as well, in that your life was pretty shit. But you've came here and you've seen something absolutely horrific that you weren't expecting. Nobody came here expecting elimination to mean death. And you've just witnessed over half the people that you were sharing a room with all shot pretty brutally. So I think you would get the hell out of town pretty quickly. But I also feel that I would also probably end up back there again as well. So that's how I would answer that one. Yeah, I suppose Stevie C's question 
um, on Twitter as well, how much debt would you need to be in to consider playing the game? Basically, it does roll into that. I suppose if you were like Sang Wu, who I think is six million in debt, this is your only way out. Whereas I think Ji Hoon, for example, if he worked really hard and gave all his money to debt collectors, he could probably clear it in maybe a couple of months, maybe a year or something. He could get there. So I do think you would have to be probably a couple of million debt to consider it because Sangwoo does vote to stay, which is a bit of a surprise as well. So Especially bear in mind he was the one that brought up the fact they could have the vote in the first place. Well, that's it, yeah. So again, just that black and white, that yin-yang that he seems like he wants to get out of there. But when it comes to it, he thinks I'm £6 million in debt. My mother's squid market, basically, or her house is on the line here. So I need to try and, try and stay in. The bear father has been in contact as well. This is the last question before we sort of wrap up. Given what we know, isn't it a bit odd that Eagle Nam votes no? Why do you think that is? Is he basically making sure folk that don't know he's in on it? It's always hard to answer about this guy because you obviously go on to learn so much more about him and what makes him tick and why he is the way he is. But for me, looking at this decision here, I think he's, he votes no because there's more of a story behind that. If he votes yes, it's just okay. He just wants to get home. But if he votes no, people want to know, why did you vote no? Why would you want to stay? And it opens him up to having more conversations with the group and making more relationships and getting to know the people that are really playing his game. And I think that's what motivates him. I think at this point, when we don't know his story, it is a nice old man thing to do. Like He, he might die, he's got a brain tumour, but he realises that people are going to die, so he votes no. However, I think it's pretty clear come the end of the show that it is to give people the free choice to come back. And I think that's it, basically. Just, right, we let you go. You've made the choice to come back now. Therefore, I can put my mind at ease that you chose this path. We don't know this now. We obviously know this because we've mentioned before, we're pretty sure that everybody that's listening to this has watched it all, so you know what happens with Eel Nam at the end. But I think that's pretty clear that it's just giving people the free choice to come back under their own will and play the game. But right at this moment... Is there any sort of dementia moment type thing here, Colin? You think, oh, he's just got a bit confused, he's an old man. Like, I know you mentioned that in a couple of episodes. There's, there's, there's potentially a little bit of that because he does, he's probably the slowest in terms of decision making and you almost see his hand sort of shaking over the two buttons and you see the light on his face and everything else. So there could be a bit of that as well. I think it wouldn't be completely unreasonable for some of the people in the room to be Oh, this old guy, what, what's he doing? He's, he does, he shouldn't make this decision himself because of what he's told them about his age, the, obviously the tumour in his brain and everything else. Um, so, yeah, there probably is a little bit of that in it as well. There certainly perceived a little bit of that, I should say. Yeah, we're not that far into this episode, but I suppose hell, basically, storytelling-wise, makes pretty perfect sense here. It slows things down a little and it will show the terrible circumstances of the main characters that we're going to get to in the next episode, mate. I think I could speak about Squid Game for the rest of my life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. And as always, guys, like cheers for listening and tell your friends what we are doing. Has got value. I think we've added a lot of things that you might not have thought about here, perhaps. A little bit of debt in South Korea. 
a little bit of Elnam's decisions and so on and so forth. So, Colin, mate, really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And I think that's a great point. We were pointing out some stuff that we've spotted. You guys might spot out, might spot even more stuff, or you might disagree with us. So, use the Twitter page, reach out, and and, and let us know. We, we do love a little bit of interaction. But yeah, it's been great fun. Looking forward to the next one, Jack. <laughs>